Welcome to Clearing the Haze, Making the Invisible Visible, a podcast show that discusses topics that are usually invisible or just hazy. I'm your host, Shachi Irte. Please note, this podcast was recorded during the lockdown in the country with limited resources. We thank you for your support and understanding. In our episode today, we will explore if the work done by women is really acknowledged remunerated or otherwise joining me in this discussion are our two esteemed guests rushil pallav jhala and renu pokhrana and let me begin by asking rushil to introduce himself rushil why don't you introduce us the work that you do and how you got interested in the work that you're doing Oh, firstly, thanks uh, for having me over, Shachi. So I, I come from a background in the built environment, you know, background in architecture, construction, a lot of time spent on affordable housing, large urban development kind of projects in India and other developing countries. So effectively, the question of urbanization, how our cities are growing, manifestation of it, the process of it has, of course, been constantly close mm-hmm. to my work. And in the process, you know, one has observed, particularly in India, one has observed how migrant workers are on construction sites uh, you know the kind of issues they face and you start to relate that back to urban policy where you say if india is urbanizing so rapidly who are the people who are urbanizing why are they urbanizing what is the promise or the aspiration of urbanization or economic gains that they've kind of bought into and mm-hmm. what are really the troubles that they face in that process so a lot of these questions have been around for me for the last decade or so and uh, this is where I when I was uh, you know at MIT I was asking this research question about mm-hmm. urbanization and economic development uh, more from a real estate finance and infrastructure point of view but midway through that study uh, the question got derailed in trying to understand the the unit economics of how does a migrant worker wants to become urban how does he make mm-hmm. those decisions and where is he losing value and when realized that there was tremendous arbitrage in this sector of course from an economic perspective that made a a strong case for an economic or a business intervention at the same time the sheer empathy that you feel when you are you know living with these people working with them day in and day out and this is where bandhu was born at mit mm-hmm. at a few accelerators there and yeah we came back to india and uh, since then we've been at this so in one line bandhu is is a mobile phone platform and an ivr solution that connects migrant workers to urban jobs and housing so that they can make the best livelihood decisions for themselves even before they leave the village oh thank you so much rushil renu why don't you in, uh, please introduce us to the work that you do thank you so much shashi for having me here so my story started with public policy even as a young person i was always interested in you know why are governments working in a certain way how can governments fix things for the better and uh, so i started my career in economics and public policy with uh, mm-hmm. working with state and city governments across india so had a couple of stints in uh, delhi in bombay in ahmedabad in rajasthan and then i kind of uh, wanted an international exposure so i went out i was in new york for some time i worked in africa for some time but i always wanted to do something in public policy in india so i came back in 2017 with this idea that you know how do you educate young people about public policy because you know most people assume that policy is something which is you know when a legislation is being passed or when something is being shown on rajya sabha tv or lok sabha tv and nobody cares but the fact remains that mm-hmm. every little aspect of your life right from the food that you eat i mean whether you eat wheat or rice or jowar to who you marry i mean can you mm-hmm. you know 
can a straight person marry a uh, can can both sexes marry each other every little thing of your life is governed by public policy and yet we somehow don't really you know except for voting once in 5 years we don't really ask questions in those 5 years so the idea was that how do you get young people more engaged in this and while we were doing this covid 19 hit india and the lockdown was announced last year so we also kind of started to work with informal labor because mm-hmm. a lot of them were in cities and then suddenly you know they had to go back homes and during this time we started to think that you know why is it now that we are thinking of them when this labor has always ex- existed in cities in fact it's this labor that makes our cities what they are so mm-hmm. you know they build our homes they build our roads they build our malls our flyovers our metros they keep our houses running i mean they are the ones who you know clean the dishes clean the houses take care of the babies cook in our homes drive the cars guard the homes literally every aspect of your life is governed by this and yet somehow they are this huge unseen disappearing major, you know majority that we don't pay attention to so we started to work towards them through this little we floated this another body called mazdoor.co which was basically mm-hmm. trying to formalize the informal uh, that's where a lot of interesting things started to happen where we realized that you know how do we even get these people out in the open where you know everyday middle class upper middle class kind of understands the kind of interactions that take place with them because most of the time we don't even realize how we're interacting with them we look at them more as a service class not anything more than that i'm going to navigate this line of thought to ask my next question and uh, between the two of you any one of you can go ahead on that how do you define unpaid work and off late we discuss a lot about unpaid work and the importance of recognizing that how how what would be your thoughts if i go first i'll just continue with that stream of thought that you know the whole idea of things which are not seen not acknowledged i think it's not just with labor i think it's it's and it's i mean it's not even about paid and unpaid for me it's more more about do you see this happening do you acknowledge this it doesn't have to be something that we value monetarily per se but simple things like housework right mm-hmm. i mean you i see this in advertising a lot where you typical you know if you look at the chai advertisements i mean chai is this big drink in india and you look at these advertisements where this husband comes home after a long day at his office the wife is there with tea and she greets him and says oh you have such a long day at work here's your tea and they show this happy family but the fact remains that she was also working at home the entire day yes. and yet somehow his work is acknowledged and the fact that you know she was doing whatever everything else to keep the house running is mm-hmm. not even seen it's not even you know looked at as something which adds value and it's not just value to gdp or to economy as such it's also value to, to to our everyday lives it's what keeps you know the homes running the society is running and yet somehow we don't look at it in terms of work at all and i think it's not just that it's even even in our offices i see women most of the time if you look at if there's somebody's birthday it's the woman who's going to plan you know getting the card signed if you look at professions like hr or even in reception you have more women and it's purely because of this kind of work that they do which is somehow not recognized that you know there's a lot of mm-hmm. if i may say emotional burden that they are carrying which is also work which again is unpaid unacknowledged unseen and yeah i think it's important to have this discussion thanks renu rushil i'm very curious to hear your different perspective on this thing while i mean i would go with the same thread of you know, not necessarily qualifying unpaid and monetary terms i would say for me it is fundamentally a question of is it considered to be equivalent work mm-hmm. so say the woman may have also held say a formal sector job 
or in the, in the labor sector they may have also worked on a construction site as the man for those eight hours but at the end of the day do they see or do others see that is equivalent work and after that if there are more things to be done again this stemming from the fact that listen fundamentally the equation is unequal i mean if if that is the case then you know the, the whole question of paid unpaid doesn't arise the whole question is that listen let's accept the fact that we are unequal and this is what society is but uh, that is one aspect the second is to say that what you did is kind of light touch or it is not remunerative enough it is not really work and hence not equivalent to the 8 hours of hard work that the man did and hence you ought to work more because you know mm-hmm. it's not equivalent yet so that that's another stream of thought and i think that is how i would consider the manifestations of what we call unpaid work rather than classifying it monetarily great so what i hear from both of you is that it is more about acknowledging work rather than quantifying it as paid or unpaid some work gets acknowledged as hard work and gets acknowledged and of course because of the acknowledgement gets paid and recognized while some kind of works don't get acknowledged and because they don't get acknowledged they're not even considered as work and remuneration is a distant dream then for um, such unacknowledged work but which is very important and uh, you know you also touched upon the point of emotional labor that women carry uh, reenu when you were um, talking most often we see about we hear about women carrying this emotional labor into holding families together how does that impact women overall i just add one more point to what ruchin said before i go into this you know one of the things i find very fascinating is how we always equate how successful women are by saying how many women are there in boardrooms who made it to the forbes 500 list and i feel like this is the entire idea is that if a woman's made it outside of her home then she's successful and i think that definition itself kind of completely nullifies the work done at home so it's like if you're a mother you're not really successful but if you have gone out and you know done whatever opened a business then you are and i think that definition itself has to change if i talk about emotional labor then i think i'll start by just asking all the women around me if they could calculate how many times in a day they use the word sorry i uh-huh. think women say sorry yes, a lot yes. more than men constantly right we are always apologizing we are always feeling guilty and i think part of that is because we feel this innate need to make everyone around us happy it doesn't even have to be families it could be even in our offices like i said it could be in any social setup somehow it is the woman's job it's her emotional labor to kind of make the situation more bearable for everyone else so i you know that's why i said women are also queens of small talk because it's been kind of you know thrusted upon us that i have to make everyone else around me feel little less awkward if it's a new situation and this is need to also kind of reflect back on what others are feeling and kind of take their guilt too so uh, you know every time there's a fight between a woman and a man even in a relationship it's typically the woman who feels the need to reassess and see where did she go wrong what could she would have done better and this now i think apart from mansplaining there's a new term called empathy which is trending Uh-huh. and empathy basically means that even if a man has done something wrong the woman still feels the need to kind of you know justify the wrong or kind of see how she can make him feel comfortable even though it might actually be his fault and i think you see that in a on a micro level definitely in interactions between men and women at homes but on a macro level you also see this in cases of sexual assault i mean if you look at court cases where there's a sexual assault that has happened 
or if there's any kind of rape, there's always this need to also look at the man's perspective. Oh, was he tempted? In what state was he in? And I think that's where this emotional burden kind of comes in. That why does a woman always have to justify what she was wearing, what she was eating, what she was doing, or you know how others are feeling? Somehow it becomes her responsibility to make sure everyone else is emotionally happy at the cost of you know her emotional health, so to say. Rushil, from a man's point of view, how do you acknowledge the emotional labor? I'd use a very common, I mean, example that I'm pretty sure anyone who spent time in construction sites see. So now, before the the construction for the day is to begin, you'll see all the labor come together, mm-hmm. and the women are still kind of engrossed in the cooking or you know looking after the the kid, and they have to get to work in 15 minutes. But all the men are sitting together, probably they are smoking or whatever. So the idea is recreational recreational time is afforded to them and not to the others. And when you start talking, this is again an emotional buildup, right? Like, do you have time for recreation and then for work? Do you get that mm-hmm. time to decompress versus the others who don't? And then even when you are at the work site, very often you've seen a lot of construction sites in India, unfortunately, don't have creches for babies. So mm-hmm. you actually have these babies, you know, put on slings or in saris and whatever. Right. And very often you have like the six-year-old who's tending to a, a 10-month-old. And if anything is to go wrong, the worry is still a burden of the woman. Something goes wrong, it's not like a man is supposed to be at work, but the woman is supposed to carry. Again, we observe it more from the labor sector. I'm not probably most equipped to talk about the nuances Reno's talking about, but yes, it, it is apparent to us as well. So I'm going to ask you the next question as well, saying that there is so, so much conversation about only women doing unpaid work. Do you even hear of men doing any unpaid work? So I, I would go back to saying that the definition of the bifurcation is kind of problematic in the way we are, you know, we again said it can't be monetary. So look at a typical laborer again, you know, when he's back in the village, it's the man's responsibility to go and say procure fodder, you know, go out mm-hmm. there to the markets, negotiate. If they have to buy a new goat or sell an animal, the man typically has to do that. And even if you see young boys in the village, 10-year-old, 11-year-old boy suddenly becomes responsible for taking the goats out to graze and things like that and bringing them back. Back. So effectively, it is unpaid because, you know, the idea of economic, you know, the economic unit is still within the family and there's no money exchanged within the family. But these things exist. Like if this monsoon and this pre-monsoon roof repairs to be done, it's the men who will have to go harvest the, uh, the lumber and have to kind of put things together. So... All of it does exist, and but it comes with a, a caveat that men engage with it primarily or possibly, I mean, I'll posit that as a possibility rather than, uh, you know, certainty, where it helps them reinforce their social position or, or the kind of control that they exert on the family and also the control they are perceived to have on their family when they are out among society. So I, I could probably talk about it later as a conversation unfolds, but this point of exchange between the family unit and society mm-hmm. is, is, I think, a very interesting point to delve into when you talk about do men do unpaid work. Thank you, Rushil. Uh, Renu, I, I thought you were going to interrupt Rushil and uh, straight away <laughs> jump in. <laughs> Please do that. No, actually, the thing is, I had a hard time thinking also about what kind of unpaid work men do. But, you know, what I realized is that it's not so much as... It's, it's more like when men do the work that women are doing, suddenly it becomes visible in the sense that, you know, so if you, if you look at this, it's very interesting. So typically when there are divorce cases going on, 
a lot of things that happen in courts is that they always portray the woman as was she a bad mother was she a good mother this kind of things happen and i see this in our society a lot of times that if a man does any good parenting suddenly you know people appreciate that oh he also changes diapers wow like this is such a big achievement and i'm not saying we should not applaud it but the fact is that when the woman has been doing it for centuries there's no acknowledgement there's no appreciation the moment a man is doing it in the house we suddenly look at it differently and at the same time when the reverse happens where let's say a woman goes to a workplace and excels as much as we appreciate it we also don't applaud her for the qualities that she had to get to do that work whether it's being more bossy at work whether it's being more demanding more aggressive so those same qualities when a woman has to carry on from a man we look at them as negatively but when a man is more compassionate more understanding more helping in the house we suddenly put them on a pedestal and you know we kind of acknowledge that we kind of you know reward that so i think there's this huge mechanism there's a reward mechanism mismatch where men might get rewarded for this unpaid work which women do all the time and you know women somehow just don't come out in that limelight so to say and i think it's if i just may take one more minute it's also mm-hmm. similar dynamics play out when you look at work which happens inside the house which what rushan mentioned and outside the house so all the jobs like being a security guard or being a driver mm-hmm. they get paid better but jobs inside the house like cleaning the house being a house worker being a house help or cooking inside the house or taking care of babies inside the house they don't get paid as much because it's flows from the same logic where we think that this house work is not as important as what the driver is doing with the car or what the guard is doing with the house and i always make this joke with people that do you value your cars more than your babies because you're paying the driver more than your nanny or is it because you know it's a woman who's taking care of the baby you know uh, it is boiling down to what gets remunerated and how and what is caregiving and what is not you know that brings me to ask you the next question this is when does caregiving and empathy become unpaid work i think caregiving and empathy have always been unpaid work but like i said it it's not it's not to do so much with monetary payment it's just to kind of acknowledge that this is important it makes a you know valuable contribution to our society and celebrating that because if you look at the burden women carry i mean and i think the modern woman particularly is caught in this net where we are supposed to excel at work we are supposed to kind of get promotions sit in the boardroom be out there but we are also supposed to be perfect mothers and i think advertising plays a huge role if you look at all the advertisements they are aimed at this perfect woman who is able to balance and i hate that word mm-hmm. because we use that word only in context of women we never use the word balance in context of men that is he able to balance household work with house with office work no because it's not his job it's the woman's job so she is the one who is supposed to you know conduct the balancing act and work in two shifts you know first go to work and then come back home and do more of housework so i think this is never actually been recognized as something valuable something which is really keeping our societies together and we always look at pretty much everything from a masculine lens which is why we look at what is remunerative what gets power you know how many women are there in politics most of that is has a very masculine lens to it so rushil from your point of view uh, would you agree with what renu is saying or would you have a different point of view i think like it's, it's kind of hard to argue with uh, what she's saying for example where conventionally where do you start seeing men in uh, you know roles for roles of empathy or caregiving and they're conventionally in the healthcare setup so usually very very well paid and in fact likely higher paid than women i mean that's just the same thing playing out again but 
it's somehow not considered right i mean no but that's doctors paid more than nurses again because nursing is a caregiving job versus doctor is seen as somebody who's skillful and taking you're saving lives so we are also seeing a lot of men taking up nursing jobs now yes now yes, yeah. that's what i'm talking about yeah. it's still considerable considerably less than what it should be and it's still paid a lot less than what the doctor does and i'm not saying that you know doctors are a lot more skilled than nurses and no, nurses actually contribute a lot but because it's a caregiving job it's not acknowledged as much but i, I wouldn't get into comparing I, i wouldn't compare doctors and nurses for sure uh, i mean this is just completely different technical prowess there but yeah, i mean we talk about the ward boys and nurses and you know talk about them at the same level yes that is pretty much on the few spaces where you see men in those roles and otherwise it is primarily absent right because the social perception of what a man ought to be doing it is i mean it is problematic to them right they can't go back necessarily to their communities because again we are talking about fairly low middle low income kind of groups where in the idea of the individualistic society isn't reinforced strong enough and also it is a privilege you know the idea of the individual being able to go beyond the societal barriers is 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 hugely a privilege of your income group right because you can buy your way out of it to some sense mm-hmm. you know you can buy your way out to have rent your own apartment or own your own apartment and live alone you can buy your way out of say going and eating in a restaurant or a place that's not going to bother what caste you are or what you do but is just concerned about your economic power you're paying purchasing power and things like that so again there there are we have to bifurcate the conversation in uh, you know in these two parts and income is a strong role to play and of course since we are dealing primarily with labor in my experiences primarily with the labor sector i i kind of feel helpless that yes i mean we are we are subject to societal constructs and it is going to be a while before we can break out of them if at all through economic means how do you think that you know we can make this perception changes happen where people receive similar appreciation fame for similar work done so i mean just picking up on the the cook example of course like working in the hospitality sector or the restaurant sector something like that a man is very comfortable being a cook but he would feel his status slightly diminished if he's a cook within a house household help or something like that and of course when the same person goes back to the village again we talk about certain income group they will not touch a single utensil in the right in the kitchen it's considered entirely the woman's domain you know so i'm trying to bring in bring in this definition which probably i hinted upon earlier that it is for men it is primarily about controlling the points of exchange with the outside world so whether you know you cited the example of trading cattle externally mm-hmm. and that being unpaid work but it becomes a point of exchange with the outside world same way for in this case if he is a cook that's a job and it's a point of exchange with the external world and hence it's okay so if a woman has to be doing something like that it is the woman conventionally cannot be accepted to be the point of exchange or the representative of the family with the outside world and hence hence those definitions and societal definitions i may call them they they kind of are here to stay any other points that you want to add in this conversation today no i mean i still do want to talk uh, you know that question of technology really fascinates me i would probably expand on it a bit later but uh, you know you talked about tools and access to tools you know simple thing like cleaning we've observed mm-hmm. when men are employed as cleaners they will happily do it if they're given that long the broom with a long stick when they get to stand and do it but so that's again like upskilled with one, a tool uh, whereas if they have to squat and do it this typically still seen as more of the domain of the woman 
So even these subtle kind of things, you know, something as low tech as a broom with a long handle also starts to reinforce that. And, you know, like you said, who gets to have the first say on technology, whatever it may be, whether it's a mobile phone or whether it's a broom with a handle. Yeah, these are the patterns. No, this is, is a, I think, the beautifulest example that you shared <laughs> saying a broom with a long handle is man's while the broom without the handle is woman's because again there you're saying the society makes a distinction of which is a higher level role and which is a lower level role fascinating renu anything that you want to add so as much as i believe in tech i think we also need to kind of use tech to change fundamentals mm-hmm. and i mean as you know i've been so or all of us have been so conditioned to hear this term women's empowerment women's empowerment and i feel like at some point we need to, we need to start talking about men's empowerment for centuries women have been told you can get out of the house you can go you can do this you can fly a plane you can fight a war you can sit in the boardroom why haven't men been told repeatedly that you can sit inside the house you can take care of the baby you can cook at the house you can clean the house every day and i think that reverse conditioning has to be done through technology so i'm a big believer in social media in fact a lot of the work that we do at mazdoor is on social media where we try and create different kind of posters and memes to you know educate people and growing up you know you would see these little like in our textbooks you would have these definitions of uh, adarsh nari achhi ladki kaun hoti hai and the adarsh nari is always somebody who you know touches the feet of the elders and turns up on time and dresses like this in a certain way and what we do is we flip the narrative and we kind of start talking about who is the adarsh purush admi or you know who is the acha ladka what is he supposed to do is he so he's supposed to you know do housework he's supposed to you know kind of talk about his emotions another thing that men don't do you know express more and i also think we need to change the reward mechanism also like i remember we every time there's a woman achieving a milestone we celebrate it to such an extent right if a mm-hmm. woman went to the moon we celebrated a woman going into a space shuttle we celebrated a woman becoming a sarpanch we celebrated we don't celebrate men we don't celebrate men who are sitting at homes choosing to take a back seat or rather you know choosing to do the role they were always supposed to do we don't celebrate men you know when they are deciding that they are going to raise the baby and you know let the woman work or the woman is working so i think we need to create these posters these kind of different social media content which is aimed exclusively at men because feminism somehow was always aimed at women you know you can do this you can do that you can go ahead but we missed out on educating men and i think that's like a really big lacuna on our part where somehow women have caught up we have come in the front but men haven't sort of you know met us there and i think that meeting point has to somehow happen through technology through social media platforms through instagram Wow. Uh, yeah. I really love it Renu how you mentioned <laughs> men have to be empowered to stay back at home to take care of family to take care of the babies and also to tell that it's okay to cry exactly I, I, it's absolutely. so empowering exactly i'd love to have posters which say that you know so there are posters which if you remember rosie the rebetta from the second world mm-hmm. war is a very yeah. famous you know woman who was working in second world war and her image is plastered everywhere on t-shirts on bags now where is her counterpart the man who decided to cook at home who decided to stay at home you know and yes. we need we need that poster boy who's going to come out and say that i'm you know the guy who stayed at home and i'm very proud of it i help my wife and i'm very proud of it i take care of the children i change diapers and i'm very proud of it and that it's manly because i think this idea that you know this is not manly to do this is also something we need to really counter so people in our team actually come up with these slogans that you know uh we show this picture of a man changing diapers and we put it as 
hashtag manliness or hashtag this is manly too and i think we kind of need to do a lot more of that and maybe over the next decade or two we'll hopefully see a little bit more equality awesome so what i hear both of you say is that you forget talking so much about paid and unpaid work but start focusing a little more about acknowledging work and giving the credit where it has to be given empower men as well to express their emotions look at the family dynamics and see how that change impacts this is the le- these are some of the lessons that i have taken from both of you thank you so much for being our guest today thank you for listening in for this episode we would like to thank our guests the french embassy the french institute and the alliance francis network in india for producing the show our special thanks to heman surang and his team for their advice and technical support please do subscribe and review the show available on various podcasting platforms and on the website afindia.org/podcast listen in to the voices that are often invisible but powerful enough to clear the haze